Hello clinicians and hello my peers. We are back for yet another episode of the Becoming Healers podcast and you are joining me, Lerato, for another opportunity to engage in this topic and this theme for season two, which is something must die. And what we're hoping is dying with each episode is that your perspectives about the opportunities that exist for you as a clinician in South African healthcare are changing, that you no longer feel like you are locked up or oppressed or that you have no opportunity to join in the fun and make a difference and add the value that you can add that in this season we've exposed you to clinicians who are doing it differently because it's coming authentically from who they are and they believe that there are possibilities available for them and opportunities available for them to make a difference in the South African healthcare system and I hope that for those of you who've been discouraged hurt frustrated by what it means to be a healthcare worker in the South African healthcare system System. This is a space that you are finding refreshing, valuable, insightful, and encouraging for your journey of healing, if I may use the word, and evolving to show up as the clinician we absolutely need you to be. The podcast is called Becoming Healers because that's what we are trying to become. Clinicians who are clinically sound, operationally excellent, and have the power to make a difference at the bedside and beyond. And my friends, and peers, that is you. You are one who can make a difference at the bedside and beyond. And you have the opportunity to look at your space and your context and your environment and add value in ways you maybe haven't seen before, but that you know are true and authentic to the needs of the space, but also to how you want to show up as a clinician. And we absolutely encourage that, which is why we have created this podcast. And and so to kick off, I want us to dive into one of the segments we introduced in the season, which is the appreciation segment. In the segment, we want to appreciate, celebrate, congratulate everything that is positive. Clinicians who are making a difference in the lives of other clinicians. It's an opportunity for you to celebrate your peers, celebrate your leaders and remind them that you value and appreciate what it looks like for you to continue to show up in the healthcare system as a healthcare worker because they show up in a way that adds value to you or makes it easier for you. We also want to instill a culture of appreciation because people don't leave jobs, they leave toxic work environments. And I'm sure that it's a thought that has crossed many of our minds in terms of what it looks like to shift and move on because some way or somehow the space hasn't always felt safe and I truly believe that as we start to do small things that can make a huge difference, appreciation being one, we can absolutely change the lifespan for how long we actually invest in the very, very desperate and very, very under-resourced healthcare system. Today, I don't have a voice note from any of you. And just to plug the number again, if you want to appreciate a colleague or a friend who's making it easier for you to work, you can simply send a text or a voice note to the number 066-246-3302. And I will make sure to feature it in this segment. Like I said, today I don't have one to share from you guys, but I have one that I would like to share. And I think it's something that we would all agree is something we want to appreciate. And it's really just to appreciate and thank, you know, the task team and the leaders of the vaccination rollout. It has been so encouraging to see people post pictures of them getting vaccinated and post pictures of what it's looked like for them to be in those lines and make sure they're getting their dose of protection. It 
has been so encouraging to me to see that the front line is getting the protection it deserves. And I know there's been some in some areas, some issues about people not receiving or other people receiving first, but I really hope that you all get to receive the vaccine at some point in time. And I hope that it, it boosts your morale and that it does something for your hope. So absolutely congratulations to our leaders in the healthcare sector, to the people who've been doing the vaccination drives in those hospitals. You really are you know, adding value in a, in a powerful way and it's giving us all such hope to see this front line being secured and protected. And so with that, I'd like to kick off with introducing our guests for this episode. On this episode, I'm going to be joined by Joey and Deborah. They are final year medical students at the University of Pretoria and are the hosts of the Med Talks podcast. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to go onto Apple or Spotify and download the Med Talks podcast. This podcast was designed by two very ambitious and incredible students who wanted to create community about what it means to be a medical student and how to journey as a clinician in the South African healthcare system. An incredible podcast indeed. And I encourage you all to subscribe. But they are going to be the guests for today's episode. And I'm so excited to be speaking to them. Joey is, as I said, a final year medical student. And he enjoys captivating conversations, staying active, and cooking gourmet food and having a lack of time. And Deborah is also a final year medical student alongside Joey. And she's passionate about education and helping people. She loves animals, cats in particular, and is always down for a good time as long as it ends by 8 p.m. <laughs> She's a girl who loves her sleep, and I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with them. Welcome, Joey and Deborah, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you please just introduce yourselves to the listeners and share a bit about why you started Med Talks? They'll be handing this one over to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, okay, so my name is Joey. Um, I'm a final year med student. I'm studying in Pretoria. Um, I grew up all around um, South Africa and also moved to Zim. And uh, all these experiences shaped me into loving people and loving meeting new people. And uh, I think this led me to medicine. And then this finally led me to start Metals. Well, not start Metals. That's Debbie, baby. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he approached me. And uh, we, we went on this journey together about um, exploring, you know, there's a lot of things. Med you can divide made into it the scope of work and then everything around and about and the work. There's so mm. much yeah. about how to cope, about how to balance things. And we've, we've done a lot of episodes about that. And it's been an amazing journey. And mm. uh, again, I'd like to thank Debbie actually for approaching me and for being yeah. the brainchild as I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Deborah, Debbie, whatever you want to call me. Um, uh, also, I'm a student with Joey. Um, we're actually in the same rotation group. That's how we kind of met, and this is how the journey started. Um, so yeah, just a bit about myself. I grew up, bred, and born in Pretoria, um, and I think a lot of my perspectives in life have definitely been shaped by my mom. Um, she's mm. a very compassionate person, and she's very interested in people and psychology, and that's something that always fascinated me, and that's like something I always look up to. Um, so yeah. Going into medicine kind of just, it seemed like the right fit. Um, so I've been very blessed with my journey and my process. Um, and you're saying you, know, you enjoy studying medicine. <laughs> <I> mean, 
I like the people. Yeah, oh, not which people? <laughs> All the, I especially, I mean, for me personally, I love patient interaction. Right. Um, I love, it's just like the helping of people. Just, yeah, mm. sitting down with people. Um, but yeah, so we started, it was actually um, my best friend from high school and I, we were sitting down one night and we were just talking about our goals and our dreams and our aspirations. Um, and I was just saying, I really believe in education and um, mm. I think education is definitely power. And I think in just seeing kind of medical students, being a medical student, you know, knowing how it goes and knowing the support that we would need that we weren't getting and the guidance that we would need that we weren't getting. Um, we just mm. kind of sat down and we were like, let's do something about this. Um, and then... Yeah, as I said, Joey was the first person that came into my mind as like a co-host. We just, um, after meeting each other in our rotations, we kind of just realized we have the same beliefs about things. But he's mm. also, he's like a the comedic relief. I think sometimes I get too serious. So it's a nice challenge. <laughs> That's always helpful. <laughs> Definitely been helpful. <laughs> That's incredible. You speak um, very passionately about some of the beliefs and values that you share in healthcare and medicine. And I think I told you guys a bit when we started out, I am like so inspired and so proud of the both of you. I think it takes a lot to be in med school and have to sort of juggle even being a podcast host. And I think if I'm not wrong, you guys started this podcast in 2020 in the year of like the world's doom. Yeah, <laughs> Real, right? <laughs> if you think about it, it's actually the ideal year to start it. Lots of right. people sitting at home. <laughs> and lots of time. And lots of time. Yeah. <laughs> but like, just even off the back of that, I think as, as people who pursue medicine, we're often these people who do really well in school, are over-involved in extramural activities, and then you get into medicine, and the culture is like, this must be your life, you must sell yeah. your soul essentially to medicine and you guys have have opted to do things a little bit differently would you touch on some of those values you you mentioned that you share and whether this idea of being able to juggle what you enjoy about people and engaging as well as enjoying medicine how did you marry those two to to decide to do a podcast I think Joey's probably the best one to answer this because he's really got that figured out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad the illusion is. <laughs> the I'm illusion. believing it very strongly. But, um, uh, yeah, I think I got to attribute that to I uh, moved into res in my first year, um, and this is um, a it was a medical res uh, called Olympus, and they I uh, met a group of like-minded people that very much like me wanted to enjoy life but also mm. medicine being your career we've made this decision now but not signing over your life to it and this was also instilled by the culture um in the residence that i stayed in so i can't attribute it as my own idea and like you know all about balance from the start i was like how the hell do you juggle all this academics yeah. and the social life you know and still seeing your family where you can mm. um but this was installed through through the residence that I stayed in probably and uh, I'm still I'm a firm believer in balancing all your activities that you have as being that exercise you know friendships um and medicine building your life not around medicine but building medicine around your life yeah mm, that's a quotable I love it <laughs> and I think um I just as someone who's you know been very like 
outspoken about mental health and struggling with mental health issues. It was just really important to put my mental health first. Mm. And I was not going to sacrifice my mental health for this degree. Like nothing is that important. And mm. it's something that I had done before, like previously. So it was just something that, yeah, I think it was a decision that I sat down and I had to make. Um, and I've seen it so much with students that I study with, which is so unfortunate, is that their mood is so dependable and their value is so highly placed on their academic um, performance. Mm, yeah. And in the field that we're in, it's a very, that's a very dangerous that's game. To play. On yeah, that's a very dangerous game. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, I hope for them that they'll also come to a place where they realize that they value because I think oh, intrinsically we were all there as medical mm. students. We all came mm. out of school and like the master who you were and mm. you know if you were the smart one. That's how people right. knew you. And that's how you identified. And this degree will hand it to you. It will challenge you like in all of yes, the aspects. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was just making that decision that this doesn't define completely who I am like I'm made up of all of these other parts and yeah just managing it from there basically oh you guys have done so well I love what you're saying because what I'm hearing you say is you you're speaking a lot to personal value and that is something that a lot of people try to frame this career around. I mean, culture celebrates you automatically. Society respects you. Oh, so we were just a lot. about this right before we started, <laughs> literally. Like how everyone on the outside seems to think that you're so great. And you're standing mm. there like, I mean, as a medical student, like, I don't add that much value. <laughs> I just like hold the scalpel, really. <laughs> but you're so right I mean that's and and I guess that's also a lot of the esteem that people expect they'll get when they leave or that it'll it'll compensate for all of the sacrifice but it doesn't and I love that you guys have figured that out so early and I want to use that to almost unpack then what it has looked like for you to be final year medical students in COVID like school's different I'm sure um what are some (laughs) of the challenges you're facing that are making it even harder um, and how are you using this unique perspective that you guys have to see yourselves beyond circumstance, beyond degrees, to navigate it? Um, so, yeah, I think for us, um, we were talking a bit about it earlier, but uh, at the university that we're at, for the last year and a half, you basically just do practical. So you don't have classes anymore. You're just in the hospitals mm-hmm. and you're just rotating and your rotations are about seven to eight weeks long. Um, now COVID obviously decided to mess that all up um, <laughs> and I think last year was a very difficult year in some aspects for us because it was very up and down but when the final mm-hmm. decision was made that we would not return to our schools for the whole year and we would just have online classes and they would then push all of our rotations into one year I think that gave all of us a big fright because mm-hmm. I lots mean, and lots of anxiety yeah, yeah. Um, to do a year and a half mm years worth of work in one year um it is really daunting and I think it's still daunting I mean it's still a daunting process but they've uh, they've shortened all of our rotations um so you really have to make do with the time that you have you have to Mm. use the time very 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 wisely um but yeah I think once you push in it like you just you just do it it's like you you know you just do it like (laughs) I think the anxiety of starting it was currently, I mean, I don't know what the rest of the year will look like, but 
staying mm. back, your starting with work and uh, mm. current like anxiety that you're currently feeling. Um, and yeah, I think it's once again, I mean, we're just trying to like learn how to navigate this. We just actually finished our surgical rotation and I think it's not so full for a sick. We're all really <laughs> tired. I mean, yeah. very happy to be done. But yeah. we're all very tired, like still kind of recovering from that. So it's just, you know, sitting down with friends and having those deep grief moments and mm. realizing you're not alone. Like we're very much in this together. Mm. Um, and I know, like speaking for myself personally, I think that's been a really, just to have a strong support system um, has so far been really, really helpful. Yeah. It's awesome for you, Joey. Um, well, I guess it's it's uh, goes hand in hand with the challenge that most people have faced in COVID. You know, the wearing a mask permanently, like oh, yeah. struggling yeah. to hear what people say, um, <laughs> pulling like you know the, the facial expression I make under my mask. It's that <laughs> half of the time, I'm low. I'm lowkey scared with the vaccine rolling out now. I don't yeah. know, how do I conduct myself? How do we go, How do we go back to normal? As well, I mean just constant sanitizing you know you see you stand inside the hospital and you press that thing rubbing your hands you're like, did I touch my phone it's probably? actually very emotionally great to constantly have to you know like watch yourself in that aspect but um positive point though some of our calls have been shortened as a result wow. of yeah. so no, it's not just negative <laughs> it's <laughs> not just negatives so I gotta say that's as in improved quality of life, like shortened 24 hour calls to 12 hour calls. So. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. That's definitely something I, in my final year, would greatly thank and appreciate. And I mean, it gives you more time. The natural thing for people is to say, is to study. But as you guys are proving, there's more to it than just studying. Yeah. Uh, so, how are you guys managing your time to make sure you protect your mental health? Uh, particularly as final year students do you have some strategies that you use personally that you could share because I guarantee you this there's a lot of grown folk who are doctors who didn't do it um, and who are scrambling their way through life now yeah. um naps is enough for important I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree I think I think for me personally it's really just it comes down to discipline in my life um where I have a structure of things and how I want to do things. And mm. it's like the top things are prioritized. So sleep, obviously, number one. I'm not sacrificing sleep. You can forget it. Like I would rather, maybe this sounds very bad, but I... Studied at last Yeah. yeah. Then, <laughs> I'd rather sleep. Um, mm. Because I just think the impact that it has, you know, if you start losing sleep, like that's a downward spiral. Mm. Um, and also watching what I eat. And I'm very lucky. I still actually live at home. So mm. I always have dinner with my family every single night. That's very, very important. Um, that's like my social time, my time to just kind of get away and break away from medicine. And then also using the time off that we have because our rotations basically every five weeks. So every six weeks, you kind of get a weekend free where you have. You'll be. Yeah. Girl, you understand. No, I get but it. really. <laughs> in those times like making sure that um you know any free time we have we use it wisely and I mean I think so we can say exactly the same like you guys tend to go away like on your weekends off and stuff mm. like that and make the most of it which is important so yeah that's the 
the, the that's what's keeping us going <laughs> currently that's good that's good because I think I think and I think we, we alluded to this earlier. One of the reasons why I started the Becoming Healers podcast was particularly because I felt that university didn't prepare me with the soft skills I need to do life. But you guys are developing them in parallel because you're constantly pursuing everything other than medicine, which is great. And so while it's becoming more and more obvious to you, it's not as obvious to someone else to say, mm, maybe sleep for seven hours and then have a fresh brain that can reason rather than like remember um, and people don't don't always negotiate in those ways and that's why I asked the question is because I think a lot of these strategies um, are going to have to come from conversation because people are trying to follow a mold that absolutely doesn't work yeah an impossible mold you kind of said, an impossible and I, mold and I think just on that especially like I would say a tip to medical students is don't ever just when it comes to studying, don't just study to remember, always ask why. And mm. that will help you so much in life. I agree. <laughs> because when you understand the core of something, um, it makes it a lot easier. So we want to be we want to be doctors that treat patients. We don't want to be doctors that, you know, um, treat like blood results and stuff like that. You know, you, you need to like be very patient and you need to understand stuff like that so I think that's also definitely helps if you build that good foundation then when you get to these more final years then it's just piecing everything together you're just putting the final you're putting in the final details basically Mm. I love what you said it sounded like you have a mantra for yourself um, (laughs) as a student you know this is who I want to be and I think that's important Mm. because it's going to help me ask my next question I recall being in, in med school and feeling like I'm quite clear about who I don't want to become. And yeah. I think the South African <laughs> healthcare system. You see, you see a lot of doctors and you're like, not you. Not that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not that. And I, and I wanted to ask that question, particularly um, as it pertains to how you evolve and you move forward. For you personally, what, what does it look like to become a healer? What are some of the patterns or perspectives you feel like you will not take forward because it looks unproductive that you'd like to share with, you know, your peer group. And, and I mean, if you're on this podcast, peers are not just medical students. They're also doctors. So I guarantee you, you guys are dropping bombs for people who, who are well beyond your phase, uh, but definitely you'll be adding value to their stage. Well, yeah, maybe it's a false sense of um, no thinking I have balance, but it's something we do try. I mean, attempting is, is better, better than better than nothing. But coming back to your question, um, to all those med students, maybe still out there, second year, third year, fourth year, now listen to Debbie mm. like asking why. I was mm. there. I mm. couldn't get it. I didn't know why. This and that, like a lot of things. It does come together here in the final year. Like yeah. things do really almost like this is why we would do this. This is why yeah, we're going to do that. Um, but your question about what what patterns and the healer. It's a, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. Um, I think, I think for me personally, one thing I've really noticed is, once again, like doctors don't treat patients. So I'll give you a scenario. When we were rotating in surgery, there was a patient who had really bad peripheral vascular disease. He already had an amputation, and he needed to go for another amputation, and mm. on his other foot, and he was refusing, and the doctors 
just didn't understand. They were like, why would you refuse this? Like, you're going to die if you don't. Like, this doesn't make sense. So obviously we have this like logical pattern in our brain. We, you know, we work from, what do you call it? The algorithm. Yeah, we have our <laughs> algorithm. And if you don't have right. our algorithm, then we have a problem. Right. So they were getting really frustrated with this patient and they were getting really nasty with him. And um, I think, especially coming from my mom, she always like tries to remind me that, you know, people are still people. Like they, these are human beings. You're dealing with humans. Mm. So I just decided to sit down and just ask him if he understood the seriousness of the situation that he was in. Mm. And he says, yes, I understand. But the problem is if they cut my other leg off, I have no one to take care of me. Mm. So I can't survive. So there's no point in me living. And that's the point that he was at. And that needs to be handled with so much love and compassion, not judgment. Mm. But if you don't take a second to see the person in front of you, then you'll lose it. And I think that's something that I want to be. I always want to remember the person in front of me. Yeah, that's powerful. It's a powerful story. And um, I think it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to remind us all, all the time that we're treating people. It's very easy to see the diagnosis and try to get that out the door and free a bed. Um, but there's a real person yeah. who has to live with that consequence. And for you, Joey, I know you tried to dodge it a bit, but I'm back. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. I was also fascinating. Um, okay, um, I like what Debbie said, more compassion, more love, more understanding, mm. definitely things we can all implement more, and um, unfortunately, it's something we lose along the way because of our failing healthcare system, and um, it's actually just a symptom of too many patients, too little resources, and yeah. being overworked. Too much pressure. And that's, that's why I think we tend to, well, saying we, but like doctors tend to lose it. Yeah. yeah it takes a lot out of out of you to to remain compassionate and remember you as a patient or as a human being you know yeah and um, they they also need support and counseling on top of their medical care that they're receiving and advice so um i actually do remember that that patient that you were speaking of now we were in the same ward round and um, Mm. basically the surgeon had said okay your choice by 12 o'clock you tell me i'm taking off your leg or you're out of this hospital and I just remember we all walked and I, I looked back and I saw Debbie <laughs> I had like meals next to the patient. And I was actually thinking like, Debbie, you're, you're a better person than me. Yes. This, is, this is awesome. <laughs> but I'm tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's but absolutely- I think, yeah, and I, I think it's like, I think this is why Jerry and I probably get along so well as friends is because at the end of the day, it does come down to the fact that we have very similar kind of aspirations and how we view patients and how we, me like the medical system it's just yeah I I just want to have more compassion um I think that's definitely the gap that I want to fill because you have so much power to um impact a person's mm-hmm. life and positively so. yeah and I think sometimes as students as doctors like you don't realize the power that you hold um and the impact that you hold and I think the only reason that I've realized that is because I've seen the patient with the horrible doctor mm. and I know that impact that that horrible doctor had on me and I was just like I never want to do this and even just like doctors with students like doctors can be very emotionally abusive 
Mm, it's like talk to us about that. <laughs> we can be the. It's kind of like you're the punching bag because of the hierarchical system that's instilled sure. in all these hospitals. But yeah, I must. I was literally saying today before we got here. I was like, I'm so emotionally drained from having to deal with these characters every single day because of the fact that it's such a big system. You're not in a team where you can build a relationship. You mm. are just, we're very out of place like, all the time. Like the, the intern and the CEO meet up and they've got to work together. <laughs> yes, it's like, it's, just, it's really difficult. And now you have to judge the mood, you have to judge where they're at, what are their triggers, because a lot of doctors don't like students. And I can understand why. I mean, sometimes they're irritating, I get that. Mm. But it's just, it's a very difficult learning environment. And as someone that's quite introverted and sensitive, it's I, I take things quite personally. Like my mm. work environment, but I think with everyone, your work environment has a massive effect on you. And if you are in not a great work environment, I mean, today I, I was working with a wonderful doctor and I learned so much and I'm like so happy and it's such a great day. But mm. I mean, a week ago, I <laughs> was being shouted at this stupid things so then you like really feel very defeated and very cross it can drain your energy it, it mm. does and that's another thing that you have to also kind of watch and I think that is something that I definitely personally would like to push forward is like breaking this toxic culture like doctors mm. and students like there's a really toxic culture amongst mm. a lot of us and how we treat one another and I don't understand it because we're literally in this together like we should be helping one another yeah. That's true, Denny. Yeah. And it, it starts there. A lot of a lot of wrongs can be righted by fixing this relationship between senior doctors and they, more senior doctors, and then the students like just yeah. And I think it's also just um one thing I've done, uh, maybe some would call it very cheeky, but it's just <laughs> like standing, and I think it's just also a reflection of personal growth, but just refusing to be spoken to like trash. You know, tell me like, about it, girl. Like, yes, like you, don't, like you don't get to like this. Like I'm, I know that I'm like 23, but I'm a human being, and yes, mm. I'm not as knowledgeable as you. And it's, you know, um, I'm very grateful that I can be here learning. I also pay a lot of money though to yes, learn, so <laughs> kind of your job. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just like just you know saying like I won't be spoken to like this. Like I'm not going to stand for. This is this work relationship, then it's fine. I'd rather go work with someone else, but don't walk all over me. Mm, that's a very Joey. Do you want to add, add, add? Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for the sake of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, please. So, I was watching, uh, I don't know if you guys know that YouTube show where they have the hot wings and this guy interviews all these celebs. Yes. <laughs> So yeah. I was watching um, this Hot Ones episode with Gordon Ramsay. And so we know Gordon Ramsay isn't your most PC guy. No, he isn't. He, he's not no. he's got, at all. Uh, we've all seen Hell's Kitchen Master Chef. He's got no <laughs> So yeah. he goes on this, basically this guy was asking him about mentors in his life and who, who taught him to cook and basically yeah, like, took him through his whole like, career. And he was explaining about this French chef he worked with and this, this and that and how this friendship used to happen every single day. 
like be so harsh on him, shouting, swearing, this and that. And he said at the end of the day, although how unpleasant it was, it made him a better cook or not cook or better professional. The thick skin it gave him almost contributed so positively in his life. Mm. But also, that being said, it depends on who you are. I was about to say, so it definitely depends on who you for are. For some people, that strategy works, you know, that, that doctor coming, the being harsh, kind of like saying, how can't you notice that? For, for me, example, I, I think I've kind of a thick skin. Every now and again, I feel like it gets stretches out. Of <laughs> yeah. But um, I, do, I don't mind being um, told, listen, you got to know this, this, and this, and this, but, and that's right. how I learn. But, yeah, right. I, I don't mind. I mean, if I don't know what I'm doing and I'm like not well prepared what that's fine they said it's warranted if it's warranted it, yeah. but don't try and be sarcastic with me when i make a mistake or belittle me mm. or like personally for me that doesn't fly like that doesn't work um i'm all about you know i they call it what scare tactics and whatever your <laughs> adrenaline goes up well, and i don't know response. yeah you know maybe, maybe but it depends. It's very person dependent. For me, I don't like that. It doesn't work for me. I would rather have you sit with me and be like, let's think about why this is the way that it is. Because I'll come to the answers. But if you push me into a corner and you stress me out, I can't think. Mm. So, um, I understand that. Like, I think it's definitely just it's like very person dependent. I think so too. And I, I like... Um, Joey's devil's advocate role because I think a lot of registrars in the position would be like but do you understand how little time we have um, on top of trying to feed you knowledge mm-hmm. they have to learn knowledge in an yeah. environment where the pressures are double for them um, so so it's a very it's I think it goes back to what you said Deborah about just the environment being toxic it's not safe for anyone to learn it's mm-hmm. not really safe for the registrar to learn no. it's not safe for the student to learn it's not safe for the intern to learn the and, and person is a consultant <laughs> <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes happy and and so that's that toxic tension is is the is the norm is the environment and it makes us products of it so then we all become little gordon ramseys in the space who yeah. are unintentionally and unaware how mean we are how abrasive yeah. we are when we speak to people which is and why i, I asked the question it's um it's interesting obviously because we only students so we only experience the student side so i can only give you but it's very yeah. nice experience that other side because I think we don't realize like as a registrar you have a full-time job with a lot of responsibility you're full-time studying and a lot of people have families as well so Mm -hmm. it's not a walk in the park um at all and it's just yeah I think sometimes we kind of need to remember that and I think it just comes down to the system I think (laughs) but the system is people the The system system is people and that's the point it's, yeah. it's us it's individuals yeah. who perpetuate cycles and so that's yeah. why I love what you guys were speaking to when it when it's when you highlighted compassion we all need to be more gracious to ourselves so we can be more gracious to each other because when you when you can understand that this this colleague of mine just grieved their mother or grieved their sister or lost a pregnancy because rich time was hard or is yeah. you know a new dad 
when you when you can recognize the environment around them just like you said joy you know both that there's life apart from the medicine that we have to do in the space together and those factors all influence how we show up why we show up every day and can make it really hard or really difficult so extending grace to each other is going to be critical mm. um and so that helps me ask this other question if you guys could be like dean for the day <laughs> um <laughs> what, what would, would you, i do <laughs> yeah what would, what would you add to the curriculum that you think is really missing that would be revolutionary for what it looks like for you to step into your role as a part of the healthcare workforce next year well it's not so much as that i would add but remove all right um, let's go <laughs> uh, we always speak about we are thought too much almost for our level of understanding and a lot of times we get so deep into well, I would classify the specialist knowledge. I'm not sure mm. how, how much specialist, you know, read it, you know, but I feel like on a student level, sometimes the work is a bit, a bit over our head. I mean, all of these systems of grading cancer, for example, simple, like really like simple example, but I mean, like knowing that a T3A, um, right. N1, M0 <laughs> is stage three cancer. It's like, yeah, do I, honestly, clinically, is that necessary for me? in my internship next year is that not something I can yeah. pick up in my internship so. I still have to pick up on her first yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I would I would shorten some things and make it more concise and focus more on core foundation topics to help mm. and aid our understanding of, of important things um and then adding I would add some type of I don't know spiritual not spiritual um just support support for the student not mm. support classes which are mandatory for you to go to them but also it's, it's a tough one because how do you that's not the support everyone needs you know is yeah. there support the class we go to together do you go alone so yeah maybe I'm trying to provide that environment mm, more coffee shops <laughs> yeah. more free, <laughs> you know more nice spaces yeah. <laughs> you're right I, I, I mean I am really lucky because I work in one of the NCS companies in the in the country and you would be surprised how much it helps to know that there's a Willie's downstairs or a oh, sorbet exactly. to do my nails if I need to <laughs> um, those little things matter or a coffee machine and where the coffee is free even if it's like not Nespresso even if it's it can be real coffee, but the fact is it's there and I can I can take it when I need it. But you're absolutely right. Those environmental spaces where it looks like people were prepared for your arrival or care how you how you experience the environment make a huge difference. Uh, it comes down to but a lack of resources and also mm. overloading of the system. Yeah. Too many mm. patients, too little time. Yeah. I think the age problem. I was being for the day, specifically uh, with regards to medical students, I would I would try and get teachers in that want to teach oh. and put them on a course. Wow. Because I just think our lecturing is not up to standard. Like it really mm. isn't. Like it's mm. not acceptable for you to come with a PowerPoint slide and read your slide. Like that, it that is not efficient learning, and it's very. I I know I struggled, and I think Joey can say the same. Like going to class for mm. me was so difficult because you're just sitting, and I'm falling asleep because what you're saying and how you're going about it is 
terrible. Like I need interaction. Mm, I need that stimulation. Yeah, I need. I just need better lecturing, I suppose. So yeah. I mean, obviously, like you get your really good ones, but those are people that want to teach. A lot of the time, like people don't want to teach. People aren't interested in teaching, and then you're forcing them to teach. And I don't think that's fair on them either. That's true. The, um, the knowledge is there, and they have yeah, the knowledge. But, but it's like how you teaching and knowledge. How, yeah, how you share. Not the same. Yeah. So I think you're right. That I would definitely um, yeah, hammer on. And then, mm. I don't know, if I was president, I would just like add more ICU beds in hospitals. Mm. <laughs> like just COVID, let me get beds. That's one of the many things I would change. Good job. I like, actually want to challenge yeah. what you said about um, teaching. Don't you think it's more that there's no there's no time in our journey where we are taught how to speak publicly like I remember I was in grade six where I was taught how to speak publicly because you know my teachers had identified me as a public speaker mm-hmm. no one's gonna feel confident to teach you if they're not equipped with the skill to speak and yep. and I think that's a lot of the point is this degree has given us a skill that requires so many more other skills for us to make it excellent or to make yep. us powerful, or to make it impactful. And there's no time. You finish school and then you're like, listen, all I want to do is be booking flights, doing calls, <laughs> and living my best life. Like, Literally, like I have no time for anything else. Self-improvement. all you want. <laughs> yes, for who? Um, no. so, so just to challenge that thought to say, I think there are a lot of people who, who want to genuinely become clinicians, scientists, and pursue specialities, but um, there's no place where they get to learn how to do that well, even the simplest thing like speaking and teaching. And I think that's so powerful because I think at the end of the day, what you said is like the systems are people and we need well-functioning people to have an effective mm-hmm. You need to be self-aware. You need to have a, mm. you need to have management skills. Like, and it's like it's so. Uh, there was actually um, one of a students I knew did. Um, I think they did a research project on should doctors do an MBA once they're finished medicine. Not a bad idea. Because, you know, <laughs> because we don't have those skills. And I mean, you you need so much leadership actually to be a doctor because you're walking yeah. in there. You know, you need to be able to communicate effectively with um, the people that are below you to get a good job done. Because if you, you, there's so many parts to one patient. You have so many teams working on one patient. And if you aren't just communicating effectively, that patient isn't going to receive the best care that they can. And I think yeah. there's so much that gets lost in translation. So it's just like even having a, a higher than average EQ is, you know, something that we need to be working on <laughs> it's so true <laughs> um i want to ask another question you guys hinted on some advice that you would share to medical students when we were talking about you know your your skills to navigate med school is there anything you would like to say to um doctors right now who are managing you as students if you could speak to them openly and honestly what would you say what do you need them to know or need them to be for you guys as finally a medical students now well firstly thank thank you to all of those that do teach us mm-hmm. we appreciate you mm-hmm. we like see it. you know students also talk, you. Okay? <laughs> students really talk like i'm not lying we have names for doctors and <laughs> you know when our friends rotate 
we really do. We talk about everyone that rotates in different things, and we're like, stay away from this one. Oh, yeah, Go to Dr. this Dr. one. Dr. X doesn't like this. Yeah. After why? You know, yeah. We talk. So we really, I I know, like when I have a good doctor, when I'm working with a good doctor, I'm so grateful, and I really appreciate it. And I will figure out anything or do anything and mm-hmm. try to be the best student that I can for you because I really appreciate the effort. Like what whatever I can do to make your life easier, I will do it. Um but yeah, I think also just include us. Include us where yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, include us. Because a lot of the times I think they really expect I don't know what they expect from us. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe the, the first thing that they do is they want to see if we want to be included maybe and then take it from there because they don't really have the emotional energy to, you know, constantly try and include us. But I think as students, we're very, a lot of the time, very intimidated. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a scary environment to like approach this person that's like so much, has so much more knowledge than you and who knows so much more and be like, okay, teach me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's also tough for them. I mean, it takes a high level of confidence in you being a doctor in a few years to approach group and group of random student after random student and be like, mm-hmm. and kind of be like, here we go, guys, here we're going, and include them and get to know them. You need a certain type of personality for that one. You need to have yeah. well rested, I feel. Like, you can't be, I mean, if you're tired and stuff, like, I just want to treat, I'm just thinking, if I'm going to be there one day, I just want to then treat my patient. I don't want to be stressing mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Yeah, so it's we see both sides of it, but thank you for those that do, and for those of you that don't, include us where you can. And we, like Amy said, we get our help as well. Like, Mm -hmm. we're willing, whatever whatever way that we can. Like, we can. I woke up and I came to the hospital this morning for a reason. If I need to go run your blood gas, I will run your blood gas. If I need to (laughs) fetch your trip, I will fetch your (laughs) trip. Yeah. That's such a that's such a I love your your outlook. And I think a lot of people just need to be encouraged to be aware that they need to invite you. Because what I heard you guys say is you need an invitation, you know, to be a part of the team, to be told for the even if it's just six weeks or four weeks, you know, mm-hmm. you you are a part of the team. We value your contribution. Add us to the WhatsApp group, send us for the bloods. Um, really? you know, because do, we have no do. idea what's going on. <laughs> we're stepping in because of the fact that we rotate so much. It's like we have to orientate ourselves mm. constantly. So Between just, different hospitals and doctors. Yeah. And so different just, systems. just to have like five seconds to be like, okay, you know, this is how we run our week. These are the patients that we're currently seeing. Here's my number. If you need anything, great. That's all we need. And then we can sort ourselves out from there. I agree. And I hope that the people who are listening, and I think it's largely a doctor audience, will take up the challenge um, and support medical students in this way, um, but also be encouraged to support themselves first, because like we Mm. said, while humans can make a better system of humans working in a system that's dysfunctional, and hopefully one day it can become more functional. My last question is my favorite question, and I'm interested to hear how you guys answer this as medical students. Um, I firmly believe that hope forms the fiber of many things, that if you don't live your life in hope or if you don't hope for things, you can't really see a vision for the future or imagine what it could look like. And I, I was, it was very early on in my internship when I realized we have a lot of people in the sector, but they have no hope at all for what mm. it could become. There's this, you know, st- dark reality that this dysfunctional we're in is eternal and nothing is going to change it 
So yeah. I've challenged myself to question often what my hope is for South African healthcare. And today I want to present that question to the both of you. What is your hope for South African healthcare? What do we want? yes i love it we, we're gonna go tick all the way through <laughs> um i think for me i just want and i think it's you'll hear anyone say it but just better quality of healthcare. i think to have five icu beds for a population of a million people it's mm. sad and it's scary and it's not acceptable. Mm. Um, I think it is the responsibility of every doctor and every nurse and every person in the system to make this a better system. Like everyone just needs to be like woke, you know, like yeah. we just need it. <laughs> um, and I think that will really push the system forward. And just to remember small things like your patient that is coming in that you need to admit they've been sitting there for three hours they have I don't know a bowel obstruction and you forgot to put up a drip they're so dehydrated Mm. like you need to remember the comfort of your patient like is that how is that patient feeling where are they at and I think that will help guide you into giving better quality care Mm. Um, but I might be very naive because obviously I haven't also really experienced like the hardcore crunch of you know mm. being the only intern on call the harsh reality yeah, yeah. so it might I, I think it, it's it's an eye that sometimes could be a bit idealized but yeah definitely just quality really just providing people with better quality and I think we also need to as, as South, in South Africa specifically, we need to try and like deck with the times a bit more. So we're really in a technological era and we need to use that technology um, to really help push our system forward. Um, so I think that would also relieve a lot of the mundane stresses, you know, the, the tiny logistical errors that would really 100%. help. So I think that's, yeah, that's the... That's my vision. That's my goal. Yes. That's where I'm going. Come on. We're all the way behind you. <laughs> Joey? Um, firstly, great answer, Debbie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Minister um, of Health coming up. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think uh, you touched on it um, while you were asking our question, but I think a lot of us need to let go of our apathy towards um, the healthcare system, the kind of like, you know what? What I do doesn't matter. What you yeah. do does matter. It's, it starts, a change starts in a single person and it spreads and it's contagious. It's like mm. that drive, that, that need to, to improve it. And I think, well, for me, it's in the little things. It's when you put up a line in hospital, for example, cleaning up after yourself. Mm. It's um, throwing away that like, yeah, I'm, these are a simple example, but like it, it's really in the little things that we can start Spiritual. making. Mm. It's big, big, big progress. And I yeah. like what, what Debbie spoke about is technological advances. A lot of our paperwork, or not, oh yeah, a lot of them, paperwork or rather our, our admin is handwritten. And I think we need to come to slowly move towards getting that all electronic. And I think in private, it has moved that way and mm. it's moving that way. And 
I'm excited for the public to get there as well. I know it's, yes. I know it's tough. I know resources. Yeah. And there's a lot of obstacles in the way. But I think we spoke to two guys called Docs and Slops. Yeah. Um, yes. Check them out. Yes. Mm. yes, I know them. I know them. And mm. Great, great yeah, guys. What they're and doing. Their vision. And- it's amazing. Absolutely like, incredible. Matt, Matt and, and Ryan. 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 There you go. Shout out to you guys. No, <laughs> they, they honestly lit a bit of a fire um, in Definitely. me too. And, yeah. and Debbie, well, and I'm sure anyone that even listened to the, that, the series of podcasts we did with them or have even just spoken to them yeah. um, because they've got hope in their heart. Like you said, hope is, is the strand or woven into us too that gives us a reason to live and a reason to pursue this career. Yeah. So I think I know it's idealistic to say, but I want... Our public healthcare to be uh, inseparable almost from, or not inseparable, but comparable to the private healthcare system, yes. and not not for private healthcare system to to come down and meet public somewhere, but for public to reach the private healthcare standard. Right. But that's a lot. There's a lot of obstacles in the way, and we won't see it in our lifetime. But it's a hope that we can aspire to. And oh, I disagree, that. Joey. What do you hey, mean? My me, lifetime is long. No way. <laughs> I'm going to die before it's done. No, thank we you. All, we all make it happen. No, we but I make think, it happen. Yeah, and I think it's just, you really need to, as an individual, like, examine your intentions. So, are you fair? You know, did you? why did you come into this? And if it's for very selfish reasons, is that fair to the person that you're treating? Um, and I think that, that will also help lead and guide you. Just that's comes down to compassion I guess at the end of the day you know just um the person mm-hmm. that needs they're coming to me in such a vulnerable state and they're relying on me they need me um what can I do for them you guys are so incredible so dynamic and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to speak to you thank you for your vulnerability thank you for your honesty Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your hope. I think it's a blessing to do medicine with a podcast that's hosted by people like you who are forward thinking um, and also just very real about the challenges that exist for you today and are tackling them the best way you know how. Um, It's refreshing to see med students who are in their final year and don't look like they're drowning. Um, (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) I feel like I look like I was like, going through the absolute most um, just because you, you don't know look- what we usually look like <laughs> <laughs> but you guys look absolutely awesome and i think your contribution to south african healthcare is already making such a difference not just to the medical student space but to people who are in medicine at large and i want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and to not let this fire and this perspective that you have be stolen away by the realities of the South African healthcare system when you meet it. I hope that you continue Mm. to see that you have value to add, that you need to add. And there are some things that will not happen if you do not show up. So please continue to show up. Just from our side, thank you so much for having us. This has literally been a soul refreshing conversation I feel so fulfilled (laughs) um (laughs) no and really also thank you exactly for what you're doing and I mean it's like we need doctors like you to look up to so we really appreciate it oh thank you guys I appreciate your time um and I can't wait to see how you evolve in this healthcare sector you have a lot to give thanks young young MD Lorato we've I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you I'm sure Debbie has all actually said very refreshing and I, I like your perspective on things and I thought your questions were really great as well um, thank you 
Yeah. And uh, I agree. Through conversations, empowering conversations such as this, this is how we start making a difference, you know. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Oh man, wasn't that absolutely incredible? I really enjoyed chatting to Joey and Deborah and learned so much about having to look at life through their eyes as final year medical students. No doubt it's challenging to be them, but they have such an optimism that I think is so deeply encouraging. And I enjoyed the authenticity of our conversation. Definitely as a clinician on the other side, there were perspectives I had the opportunity to shed light on that they had as students that they maybe couldn't see that way, but they also definitely made me think and wonder about how we can all be intentional about making the environment for learning just a little bit better. I must say that's the one thing that stuck out for me in this conversation is that it seems to me that the challenges that medical students have are still not very far off from the challenges we had as medical students. And to be honest, that's one of the things that continues to drive my ambition for this podcast for AMD as a whole is to try and cultivate environments where people have the opportunity to tell a different story. I think we all can do something to ensure we're accountable for our time in such a way that the generations after us do better. And to their point, thank you to those clinicians and doctors who try for their students. And equally, what does it look like for us to cultivate environments where the chain of learning doesn't become about one person more than the other, that it's not more about registrars than it is about interns or students, but that everybody's equally served. And how can we use innovation and technology to make sure people are better served? I absolutely just love how in the middle of a pandemic, they decided to start a podcast. They saw clearly that there was always an opportunity to add value to their context And while it was something that may have served them personally to get together as friends and peers, we know what an impact it's made to other people and to other medical students around the country to have this type of platform. Deborah also spoke so passionately about making sure her mental health is preserved. When she spoke about the boundaries she set for herself in learning, I found that very powerful. And I think as clinicians on the other side, sometimes we're so desperate to see ourselves reach the goalpost of yet another degree or finishing another phase that we violate some of the very necessary personal boundaries we need to be able to be fully present fully able and just better and more productive in those spaces and she spoke about sleep and I know and I've heard from my peers and I've personally struggled with what it looks like to navigate time because it just feels like There's more to do than I have available with my time. And that's not just an academic thing, that's a life thing. So I was definitely very challenged to think about how I look at my life and how I plan my time around making sure the resource of me is always equipped and always empowered. And I hope that challenged you as well. And what Joey said near the end, just about us all having the ability to make a difference similar to how I opened this podcast, it's just we really can add value. This journey of becoming healers is an opportunity for us to show up in the authenticity of who we are while making the difference we know and can see is needed in our context. And here through conversation, we get to be enlightened to the skills we may be missing as we hear other people who take in the time or have chosen a path that helps them carve out skills and assets that can make them an asset in the environment. And 
when I tell you I'm inspired by final year medical students, okay, we said final year, final year was not a joke, let's all remember that final year was not a joke, but here they are choosing to invest and add value to their context and to their environments, but also remain true to themselves and see, like Joey said, medicine should be a part of our lives and we shouldn't try to build our whole lives around medicine, that when we honor our other roles and the things that we enjoy, we actually make room for ourselves to be better clinicians overall. And I was really inspired by that conversation and I hope it blessed you too. And now we get to close the podcast. And before I close, I just want to share a thought about what I've been thinking of since having the conversation with Joey and Deborah. You know, I think in, in many ways, we all become a product of our environments and somewhere, somehow, even the best of us have definitely hurt or made the experience of another person difficult as a clinician in the South African healthcare system. Maybe it was a tough call or just hard life circumstances that made us more cold than we should have been or less kind than we had hoped to be. And so with that, I want to, you know, talk about what it looks like to be the type of leaders who know how to apologize. I know for me personally, when somebody in authority has the courage to acknowledge where they feel like they stepped out of character dishonored themselves and therefore dishonored us it definitely definitely left such a huge respect for them in my mind and in my heart and I've always strived to be that type of person in every other relationship I have do I win every day no absolutely not but I think there are two things to forgive in these types of moments one is ourselves for you know, having life happen to us in the ways that it does. And then when we have the opportunity or if we ever have the time to go back and apologize in the way that we can to the people who may have suffered harm from our internal bleeding. And that is what I'm going to be praying for in today's podcast. It's just that we would all have the courage to forgive ourselves, but also to forgive this healthcare sector is not an easy one to work in. And in season one of Becoming Healers, we actually spoke on this theme of forgiving South African healthcare. And it's a hard thing. And it's made even harder by the challenges of COVID-19. But I want to challenge us all to be the type of clinicians who are so self-aware that we allow and create room for our own internal compass to be the strongest narrative we have rather than the challenges we cannot control that are that are outside of us and when we step outside of our personal value system or we step outside of how we hope to show up in the space every day i hope we have the courage to one take a moment and forgive ourselves and two have the courage to apologize to those who need to hear it because then and immediately then you are a healer because not only are you taking the time to heal yourself, but you're healing the environment around you. Let's pray. Great God that you are. Thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with my peers on this podcast. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you enable us to forgive. Thank you that you empower us to forgive even the most difficult of circumstances for those people who are truly wrestling with having to forgive people with having to forgive themselves. I pray that you would extend a rare grace upon them, that you would meet them at their point of need and show them that they are worthy of their own forgiveness and that they do not need the permission of anybody else 
to be able to forgive and thank you that the gift of forgiveness will empower them to move forward in their lives and to live well in jesus name amen thank you for joining me i'll see you next week This podcast is proudly brought to you by YoungMD. If you wish to be the official sponsor or partner of the Becoming Healers podcast, kindly visit our website at www.youngmd.co.za to find out how you can get in touch.